Under the Influence podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Eckes, a serial entrepreneur and social media guru that has an infatuation with all things business related. On the show, we bring together brands, creators, and thought leaders to discuss the power of influence. Each episode is jam-packed with learnings, firsthand stories, and conversations from guests that truly have their finger on the pulse. Stay tuned as we dive into the stories and explore the impact they're making by getting under the influence. Wow, 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 wow. I can't believe we are doing this episode. I can't believe that I had the opportunity to sit down and interview Anna after our acquisition. And I am just so excited to be introducing her to my community and to my network and to really give her an opportunity to shine and showcase what the future holds for both of us, which is so exciting. So a little bit about Anna before I begin. First off, she is a powerhouse. And quite honestly, I've had a lot of people say that I take on a lot of projects and I'm, you know, keep myself busy. I don't think I've seen someone that completely runs circles around me. (laughs) And I don't say that lightly and not in the sense of like a busyness and not in the sense of like a, you know, a scatterbrainness. It's really in the sense that Anna has these incredible ventures that she's a part of. And she does them with such intention. And one of the things in this episode that really got me was just her passion for people. And it comes through in the way that she helps, in the way that she also dedicates herself to these organizations and to these causes. She's just honestly someone I don't, I just look up to and admire in so many ways. So who is Anna? She is a recognized public relations expert. She is a best-selling author and she is an incredible speaker. She is also the founder and CEO of Crow PR and just, you know, my new partner in the sense of she is now acquiring Echoes Marketing and is going to take Echoes Marketing to its next level, to its next evolution. In addition to running and leading Crow, she is also the first female president-elect of the San Diego chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization, which is just so amazing. And in her somehow spare time, she is also a writer, as well as an adjunct marketing professor at the University of San Diego. She has been recognized in so many notable recognitions, you guys, including CEO of the year. Crow was nominated one of the best places to work, Women Who Mean Business, PR Team of the Year, and the Inc. 5000. She is, again, someone that I could not say more amazing things about. But without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Let's get to meeting Anna and let's get on with some business. I am just so excited. This is such a special episode and I'm honored to have you on, Anna. You guys, welcome to Under the Influence podcast. I have Miss Anna Crow on the show. So excited to be here with me. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Anna, I kind of led up this episode with a previous episode talking about, you know, how I basically sold the agency and my journey through it and walking away. But now I'm so excited to have you on to talk about this merger and talk about what we're doing here. And also just to shine light on everything that you're doing inside of your career and how you've built Crow. And I mean, not only that you've built Crow, but you also have all of these other side projects and initiatives that you've been growing and cultivating for female entrepreneurs. It's just so 
powerful. So I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to have you on. I'm ready to dive into it. So let's talk about this acquisition. Basically, mm-hmm. I had kind of come to you and we started this conversation along, you know, what would this look like? What does Crow's goals look mm-hmm. like for 2024? And being that Crow is, you know, traditionally a PR agency that has more performative metrics, we both kind of were looking at this in a sense of, okay, where's the areas where you guys can grow and expand? So I want to ask you why a merger, why an acquisition and why going into creative content? Well, as you mentioned, when I started the agency about nine years ago, it'll be nine years tomorrow. Happy birthday, early birthday. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. We really started as more of a traditional earned media focused agency, right? So helping brands amplify reputation, build awareness through traditional, um, more traditional media outlets, whether it's broadcast, podcast, a little bit of podcast at the time, not as much as today, uh, print, of course, digital, all these other channels. And as we evolved and as the media landscape and just the marketing landscape and the world has evolved, we started implementing and adding on complementary services that stretched the PR realm just a little bit, right? So for instance, six years ago, we started layering in influencer marketing. Do you remember influencer marketing pre-pandemic and post-pandemic? Was there a little bit of a difference? Maybe oh, just a totally. tag. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we started six years ago with various partnerships, really learned, and then through the pandemic, continued to grow that service offering, realizing that a more integrated approach was necessary to keep our clients top of mind with our target customers, within their industry, right? And complementing those strong earned media placements with now social media credibility, social media amplifications, and the building of that community. And as we started doing that, we also realized that, hey, we're not telling the complete story if we're leaving social media on the table. Yes, we can partner with other companies. Yes, a lot of brands do this in-house, but really it is a standalone service offering that's critical in today's world. I mean, how many customers you know make buying decisions through social media? I think a lot. All of them. <laughs> right. So yeah. many of them, right. No, I mean, not even to mention, right, like the next generation, right? We're seeing Gen right. Z just take on a whole new approach to the consumer purchasing behaviors. Exactly. And because we work in three distinct areas, including consumer products, uh, hospitality, as well as healthcare, it was really important for us to have our clients create and engage through social media. And so we started dabbling in social media, I'd say probably right, right before the pandemic as well. And um, we've always considered how do we grow this offering? You know, when you're building a business, as you know, you don't want to do too many things and lose sight of what you're really good at, but you also don't want to keep yourself on one spot as the world evolves. So we've always done this very strategically. And you and I have known each other for a number of years. And Ekis has done such a great job on the social media side that in our continued conversation, we thought, well, hey, wouldn't it be great if we were to expand our social media offering really build out a more digital design-focused creative shop without losing sight of our core competencies, but just elevating our core competencies with your team and the clients that you guys service because we have so many compliments, right? On the consumer side, on the wellness side, we have so many great wellness brands that we share together. So the time was right, you know, as we're coming up on this nine years and as social media continues to grow and evolve, we thought what better way to amplify that offering for our current clients and our future clients than to partner with you guys. Absolutely. I I think it's just such the perfect timing. And also it's so complimentary to what you guys are already doing, you Mm -hmm. know, and even looking at the way that Crow services your clientele, 
it is so integrative. And I think, mm-hmm. again, we're seeing that there is such a big shift with PR right now, right? PR yep. is no longer just kind of traditional. It's really performative. It's really needing mm-hmm. a strong partner that not only has those key relationships, but also could do the messaging, can do the, you know, round mm-hmm. out the campaigns that can really be a strong partner. So mm-hmm. I think with all of that, you know, it's exciting to see what you've built. It's exciting to look at the future and look at what we're going to be doing in 2024. But I also want to get into the nitty gritty of you as an entrepreneur and how you came to Stark Pro. So I'd love for you to share your background, maybe share your story. How did you even get to this point? Now, I know our podcast is not that long, so <laughs> I'm a little further in my career at this point. But yes, I'll give you the highlights. So my first career actually had nothing to do with PR or marketing. My very first career out of college 100 years ago um, was on the CPA track. I actually worked um, at a little company called Deloitte as an auditor. And I always dabbled in a bunch of side hustles as one does. You know, I lived in New York and just no different to today. I had my full-time job and then I had about three or four or five maybe other endeavors (laughs) on the side because, you know, life was short, just try all the things that are interesting to me and that can bring monetary gains. So I did all those things. And as I evolved in my career, you know, sadly, I had to um, spend some time in Manhattan uh, right around 9-11 and I needed to shift jobs at the time. And so I got into a global cosmetics company, uh, one of the world's largest global companies that has a lot of licenses with designers. And so I started on the financial analyst path. I was a financial analyst for a number of years. And found myself in the global marketing department doing all the numbers. And what I realized later on was the numbers work that I was doing was actually marketing work. It was marketing analysis. It was pricing out products. We were pricing out perfumes. I actually had the chance to launch JLo's first fragrance, Glow. I had the chance to launch Sarah Jessica Parker's first perfume. I had to go to Paris and we picked out colors. I mean, it was a very glamorous, fantastic job. Got to fly Air France for the first time. For a 23, four-year-old, it was very exciting. And so once I got into this brand work, I thought, wow, I really love the brand side. I love figuring out how what we're doing as a brand can actually grow it, grow the company, grow the organization. And so at that time, I decided to pursue my MBA in marketing, which brought me to California. And I studied international marketing, uh, subsequently went to work in Los Angeles for Capitol Records, EMI Music Marketing, where I got to really uh, sit on on the sales and marketing seat and understand how PR truly works, how integrated marketing works, and how reputation and promotion really drive the business forward, right? So when I was younger, I thought, well, if we don't have accounting, if we don't have finance, we're not going to have a company. And I realized later, it's a critical, critical piece that I love more numbers, probably more than any PR person. I really secretly love numbers. I mean, I have a calculator at my desk, but I uh, realized that without a proper brand, without a proper reputation, without proper promotion, without being in your building trust with customers and engaging with them, we don't really have a solid business, right? Nobody has a solid business. And so that's what led me to subsequently companies like AT&T and other PR firms uh, locally and uh, nationally, and then eventually led me to found Crow in early 2015. You know, again, we could talk later on the, the other things that I've been involved with over the years, but as far as my, uh, where I spend majority of my time and I spend majority of time, this, that's been a slightly untraditional career path when it comes to PR agency owners. Absolutely. But I feel like that's what also gives Crow its edge. And I, I think going back to the financial analyst, I think, you know, since I've known you, I feel like that's what's always been so intriguing is the way that you have structured Crow. Now, 
And again, traditionally, you talk to, you know, owner PR founders or anything like that, and they lean away from the numbers. They lean away Mm -hmm. from kind of that grittiness, which again, there's a lot of that in marketing. So it's really Mm -hmm. interesting to see the way that you structured Crow. What was something like early on when you're building your business that you employed that maybe was untraditional? Like, I know you Mm -hmm. just talked about, you know, immediately out of the gate, you're like accounting, finance, like before, you you know, everything was, the land was really late. So what's something maybe a little bit untraditional that you did for entrepreneurs listening? Well, I think with PR, it can sometimes get a bad reputation, which is sort of an oxymoron because PR is all about reputation, right? But it can get a bad reputation around metrics. Like, well, yeah, you got me this great spread in Forbes magazine. What does this mean? How did this move my business? So I wanted to ensure when I started the company that we always had uh, ROI integrated into the system. Now, some ROI looks different from other ROI, of course, right? Some is very quantitative and some is more qualitative and that's okay. Um, and every marketing tactic has a different purpose in the world. But for me, it was really important that we built a team that could really strategically look at a company uh, as though they were an entrepreneur or CEO of that company, understand what's really going to drive the business forward, and then design marketing campaigns that could propel that business forward. Right? I often tell our team, put yourself in the seat of the client. What are their daily struggles? What are they measuring every day? Are they measuring, if they're a hotel, are they measuring average daily rate? You know, are they, if they're a consumer brand, an e-commerce brand, are they looking at daily online sales? or retail movement. Uh, what are they, what's really driving? If they're in medical devices, are they looking at weekly sales to hospitals, nurses, other practitioners? Understand what those are and make sure that what we're doing is actually helping them move forward. You know, and that was one of the reasons I started the company. I did have some frustration um, in previous careers, you know, in general thinking, well, if I'm spending the money, what am I getting in return? And I yeah. think that comes from my auditor side where I had to literally walk up with a piece of paper to client contact and be like, um, I see you spent this money here. What did this do? Right. And I always did it in a very fun way. I thought, you know, I was younger than two, but it was all about what are the investments we're making, creating. Now, not everything's a perfect formula. Of course, sometimes, you know, in marketing, we try and we yeah. see what works. We do some testing. But at the end of the day, we want to ensure that how we are positioning our products, campaigns, technology, has uh, an impact on the business. So that I think to your point on the entrepreneurial side, where you know I've been a part of EO for many years, is I'm really passionate about moving businesses forward and growing companies because companies contribute to the economy, right? C- companies contribute to the livelihood of people. They contribute to the world. They create great products, life-changing services, products, et cetera. I love being a part of that, but it can't happen if we don't have a good strategy in place that actually yields those, those gains. Absolutely. You know, one of, one of the things that you do with your team, and I oh, I want to touch on this because this is also going into one of your other projects that you're a part of, is that you implement the EOS system. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that? Because I think, again, something that makes you so different and is so successful is the way that you train your team to have an entrepreneurial mindset. So can you talk about the EOS system a little bit? Yeah, I love EOS. So as um, many people may know, EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. And for any business owner, it's a great system to consider. There are multiple systems, uh, but when you're at a certain stage of your business, it's a nice system to implement. You know, it's usually in the vicinity of a couple of million to maybe $20 million companies have that in place to really 
help them break through the ceiling. As you know, once you get to a million dollars as a business owner, you go in what's called a, um, uh, what's it called? The curve of death. There's something really, <laughs> you know, not great. Um, valley of death. It's called the valley of death. Because what's worked to you at this point no longer works. You have more employees, more resources, more headaches, all these things. So EOS helps you do that. It helps you get from a million to five million. Similar thing happens once you get to $5 million, so you go back to the value of debt. So it helps you create an organization that can sustain, create processes, clarities for the team. And uh, essentially, because if you have a lot of team members and they're unclear about the vision of the company, what the values of the company are, all the decisions you're making are not going to benefit the company in the long run. So yes, EOS has a lot of different pillars, including setting the vision for the brand and the organization, including implementing core values, processes, systems, learning how to analyze data, learning what data you should even be looking at. So you also don't want to be on the side where you've got analysis paralysis and you've got so much data coming at you, but it's not actionable, right? And so one of the very first things we did was create those core values. And I think we were at three employees at the time. We just to look around the table, our office was like 10 feet by 10 feet, less than that. Actually, it's probably like a four by four. I'm exaggerating now. And uh, we said, okay, let's develop those values so that we can hire employees that are aligned with that value so we can take on clients that align with those values. And whenever we see values violations, things that aren't in, you know, in alignment with those values, we make we create action. Because the longer you go against the grain, the harder it's going to be to build a successful organization. So to your point, entrepreneurial mindset was one of the very first values along with authenticity, radical ideas, and ROI. Making sure that we are handling problems. You know, in PR and in most companies, honestly, every day you deal with hundreds of issues, some teeny tiny issues, some big issues. We're dealing with issues all the time. So EOS helps you reduce the number of issues that you deal with so you can actually stay on track and get the big things done. That's incredible. I love, again, you talk about these like different points within businesses, but also, you know, starting with the core values of a company and starting with that Mm -hmm. team and really making sure that they align with those core values. I think that that's so awesome. And I, again, I, I do I do want to touch on this because I think, again, it's important to touch on this, but you are actually the entrepreneur organization chapter leader of San Diego. And the fact that you have not only grown this, but you've really kind of risen to find all these different projects to invest your time and edu- you know energy and education into... I think it's so awesome. And I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit. I want you to talk about USD and EO and, you know, just your time spent there and why you think it's important to do that outside of just running your company alone. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the term entrepreneurial mindset we talked about is all about growth, right? And it's not about being an entrepreneur. I always think it's uh, a lot of times entrepreneur, that work is thrown around and it doesn't really mean anything. To me, it's all about the mindset, having that mindset of, hey, there's a challenge okay, I'm going to overcome it. Or, hey, what I planned did not happen. Instead of sitting there crying about it, rolling up the sleeves and going, all right, we're going to figure it out and we'll stay resilient and uh, we'll have open conversations about what's working and what's not working, right? So it entails a lot of things. But at the end of the day, for me, it's about growth. It's about how am I a better person today than I was yesterday? How do I improve my skills, improve my talents? I'm a better human. And I'm inspired to see others grow as well. You know, my community is rich of people who are growth-minded and want to improve themselves so they can improve the world around them as well and improve society. And so for me, being involved with other organizations and having other uh, work outside of the business is really meaningful 
because I am, I can inspire and I'm inspired. And I think that collectively, if I can help a person or a team grow to meet their goals, they will likely a contribute to the economy, make the world a better place, and then inspire somebody else to that greatness as well. And that's really rewarding. And so, as you mentioned, I, when I crossed the threshold in the first couple of years of, uh, and I got into entrepreneur organizations accelerator chapter in San Diego, I was able to spend a couple of years there to really learn how to be a business owner through workshops and forums and other things. And then graduate into EO, which is a global organization. We have about 18,000 members around the world, all over the world, different countries. But it's really a community of entrepreneurs that helps each other through trainings, through just you know knowing one another, through advice, through best practices. Uh, we travel together, we meet together. And I've been on the board for a while now. And then yes, later this year in July, I'll step into the president of EO San Diego role, which I'm very excited about. And I'll tell you, if you told me that back in 2017, when I first joined EOA, I would have thought, yeah, okay, I don't know, that's <laughs> going to take a lot of effort, but it was a lot of effort and yeah. we're here and I'm, I'm excited to just be able to stretch my own skills yet again, because mm-hmm. I think leading leaders, we have 200 members right now, leading leaders is all, and entrepreneurs is also going to be an opportunity for me to grow. Uh, versus leading the several companies that I've been involved with. So that's on the EO side. I'm re- very much looking forward to it. And then, yes, uh, since I graduated um, my, with my MBA from University of San Diego, I went back a few years ago and I taught for about eight years. I taught global marketing and uh, Marketing 300. And then I took a break during the pandemic as our business was growing. And I also have two boys. So, you know, as a mom, there's only so many hours in the day. And I wanted to ensure that I had their full attention and they had mine. And they, therefore, I took a little break and then I just went back again. So I just finished the semester. I'm going into my second semester at University of San Diego teaching Marketing 300. And that's similar. I mean, I love marketing. I love the fact that our work makes an impact on companies. You know, we have with our clients alone, so many success stories from sitting on the couch with a brand and learning about their idea for the first time to then speaking to them about an international sale of their business or um, how they're going to go into their 70th market in the world. So that's also very rewarding because you can see the impact on them, on their families, on the people they hire. Um, And then discussing that with my class and also helping young entrepreneurs. I'll tell you this semester, I had six or seven students who had started their own businesses and that came to me in office hours just to get my advice. Now, what would you do here? And I'm like, let me give you the playbook. I'm going to save you about, 40 days worth of headaches by giving you these three things. You're going to have other headaches, but I'll eliminate these headaches for you. Yeah, absolutely. I I just think that's so incredible. And I feel like, again, you're, the way that you have such passion for business is so much deeper than, you know, providing a lifestyle for yourself or providing mm-hmm. a career for your team. It's so, it goes so much further, which I think I'm so taken by because it's it's something that does have such a global impact. So. As we're kind of looking at you as an entrepreneur and you're, you know, teaching and you're helping leaders and you're really, you know, kind of investing back in the community, I wanted to know if there were any really cool like practices that you do as an entrepreneur. You know, do you mm-hmm. do you manifest? Do you have like a very specific morning or nightly routine? Like if you could get really detailed, I would love to hear just some tips and tricks that really help you to like stay focused and stay in your lane. 
I don't know if you'll classify them as cool, but I'll, I'll share what I've got. <laughs> uh, so yes, I am an avid reader. I, I have more books than I will ever probably read in this lifetime, but I read usually three to five books at a time. Not because, and I used to think it was a problem, honestly. I was like, why can't I just finish the book? But it's because I usually try to intuitively tell what what message I need to hear from what book at what time, yeah. you know, because when you, you can read the same book every, once a year and get different messages from it based on where you are in your life. Right. Yeah. And so I try to leave books out and sometimes it's just a creative way for me to shift gears from one call to the next. Like, let me just, let me see what Jim Quick has to say. Let me see who Brennan Burchard has to say. Let me see what, you know, whoever it is has to say. And um, so reading for me is huge and taking notes. And from what I've learned over the years is I have developed certain practices for sure as a result of reading, listening, trying, being part of different organizations. So for me, because I'm growth-minded and the goals are huge, uh, goals and then the effort that it takes to achieve those goals, right? So mm-hmm. it starts with a, I guess my favorite saying, and my team knows this too, it, which says it all is dream big, work hard, make it happen, mm-hmm. right? So I think if you don't have an initial dream, you're a little lost. You can plow through life and do a lot of things, but it's not, it's kind of, hazard, you know, whatever. It's, it's all over the place. It's not, it doesn't yeah. have a meaning, as much meaning. For, and that's what I think. So dream big. But if you're a dreamer and you don't actually work hard towards it, then it's just a dream. And it's a beautiful thing that you can wish for all your life. But if you don't put the rubber, what is the rubber to the road? Yes. The expression. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to actually make that dream a reality. But then sometimes even when you work hard, it not necessarily comes true because you may over work and put, become busy, but mm-hmm. busy is not the same thing as being productive and successful. Right. Yeah. And so for me, making it happen is taking a step back also and seeing, okay, is what I'm doing actually moving the needle? So having taken stock of my goals is really important. So what I normally do is I, I do a lot of planning. So the year before it's a, a new year starts, I'll start jotting down my goals, usually around August time, just on a piece of paper. What would, it, what would I like to accomplish next year? What are some of those things? And I'll break it up into personal, professional, family, marriage, health, different buckets of life, right? That fill me up. And then as I get closer to the year, I pretty much finalize those and they change because it's still five months to go, right? And then when I get into the year and for the whole time frame, what I do is I'll rewrite them every morning. So I'll wake up in the morning. I usually wake up around 6 a.m., 5.45 without an alarm clock. And I will um, either do a meditation or I'll read for 10 minutes or I'll journal for 10 minutes. On a good day, I'll do all three, but some days I'm unable to because I have to get up and get the kids ready for school too. And there's a lot of emails waiting for me, right? And so, but I'll usually at least do one, sometimes two, and on the weekends, usually three. And then that sets me for the day, right? So I have my intentions, I understand. But and when I'm journaling, I write, rewrite my goals. So I'll say, okay, what are my goals? And I'll rewrite them because studies have shown that the more you write, the more you can put those goals, not just in your frontal piece of your brain and then your conscious, but also in the subconscious. And it's amazing how much our subconscious works for us when we're not thinking about it, right? Our subconscious can do its own little thing there because we're continuously putting things in there. And so we start noticing things, right? If we have our subconscious is working as well as we are. And then at the end of the day, so I'll go through my day. Sometimes I'll take a creative break, you know, whether it's a little walk, feet on the grass, a meditation. I always find I need a creative break. Sometimes it's painting. I'll literally go and paint for 15 minutes or I'll doodle uh, or I'll read. And then it stimulates my brain. That's the way my brain works to get me refocused 
I'll find myself losing focus when, especially in our profession, we have a lot of clients, a lot of things coming at us. So I usually use that to refocus. And then at the end of the day, I'll um, look back on my goals from what I wrote this morning and I will um, jot down what I have done that day to get closer to my goals. Sometimes it's nothing for that goal. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lot. Right. And that's okay. I give myself grace that if I've done nothing for one particular goal, that's okay. It's just one day. But as long as I'm making progress and I'm doing the things and I'm aware of where I am, it actually starts coming to life. Um, and then I'll do a, a nighttime meditation as well, just to get myself in the, in the zone. Cause I do my, my brain is very active as I'm sure yours is too. <laughs> and so it's important to give it some rest or else I'll be all night coming up with ideas like, oh, I should do this. Oh, I should do this. I should do this. Right. And you got to just got to rest. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's really cool that you're mentioning how you're, you're also tracking how close you're getting to those goals every single day. But mm-hmm. with that balance of it's okay if it, if I miss one day, you know, because there will be times where it's like, I'll do more, I'll do less. Right. And the same thing sometimes with me, I don't do that at night. You know, I might go out yeah. on a Friday night and have a lot of fun with my friends. Yeah. And not be in the zone where I'm like, let me look at my goals. It's, you know, as long as you don't make it a chore or a job and you have to intuitively feel when you can do it. If yeah. you're intuitively, for me, if I'm intuitively feel like, okay, now's the time I, I feel like doing that, I'll do it. And if I'm, for whatever reason, just like not in that space, then I don't do it. Then I go relax or go out or do something else. I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the years is just really understanding where I'm at, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually and leaning in and doing the things. But again, if I can, maybe I give myself a week off doing that, but then let's get back on track because I also want to make sure that I am mindful because I know that that works. It's proven to work year in, year out. Yeah, absolutely. So as we kind of wrap this, I, I want to hear what's on your radar for this year. You know, you, you have, again, so many things kind of in the hopper. We have this acquisition that's kind of, you know, still being integrated and really being finessed by both of us. What are you looking at for 2024 right now? Like what is what are some of your focuses mm-hmm. or some of your goals? So I think on the business side, of course, with this with this company with Chrome, you know, we mentioned the integrated approach, right? So continuing to um, lean into that integrated approach and making sure that all of our clients, our existing clients, uh, we feel really great about all the work that they're doing with us as well as with other partners, and that we have a very comprehensive story to continue building their reputation. You know, we have a couple of new projects starting that I'm very excited about that we'll probably be announcing in the coming months as well. And really dialing in our team, making sure our team has the best training. One of the things we're launching this year, for instance, is called Nest University, Pro PR, bird puns, you know, and (laughs) that's all about um, more of a curriculum focused system for our teams. So they have the right training from in-house as well as external um, trainers. Uh, so building the company, continuing on that pathway, I'd say outside of the business itself and our clients, which I'm very much looking forward to to working with, it's for me is obviously stepping into this role at EO. Um, you know, I will be the first uh, woman president in San Diego. And I think that that carries a little bit of, you know, okay, I got to make sure I'm sure to do this really well. Of <laughs> so, course, but also what an accomplishment. Sure. Thank you. And I'm very excited about it. So, um, you know, just learning how to do that role to the best of my abilities. There are a lot of trainings involved. I'm heading to Singapore in a couple of months as part of our training for this role. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, then outside of that, I'd say on the on the personal side, there are a few writing projects that I've been working on. 
I'm working on a follow-up to my first book and then another side project that I'm working on in that realm. So that's really exciting. And then just continuing to enjoy life and making sure that I've got time to travel with my family, to enjoy the day-to-day, to be present. You know, I've been trying to circle around the words. Another thing that I do that I hadn't shared is in addition to the goals, I give myself three words for the year that are meaningful and I put them on the fridge. So for instance, last year, my three words were uh, focus, uh, flow, and practice. So I wanted to practice doing certain things more and more, right? I wanted to stay focused and I wanted to flow, which means I wanted to go with the flow when things were difficult. And I wanted to get myself into flow when I felt out of flow, which I do creatively, right? Mm -hmm. And so this year I've been uh, finally settling on a couple of words for for 2024. So I'm excited to put them on the fridge, implement them and just go back to them. Again, that's another thing that works for me. So making sure that I do... Um, have a lot of energy for the year. That's the other thing. And staying in line with health and wellness. I think we often underestimate as humans, especially as busy professionals, whether you're a business owner or not, doesn't matter how much our mental, physical, spiritual health dictates our happiness, our life. And we can sometimes be really good in one piece of the health puzzle, but completely ignore the other. And then we're like, well, why am I not feeling well? I've been going to the gym every day. Well, guess what? I'm not taking enough breaks. Maybe I'm not journaling. Maybe I'm not meditating. So just staying true to myself, right? And making sure that I'm doing the things that are keeping me healthy and full of energy for all the things that I want to keep accomplishing. That's amazing. Anna, this has been such an incredible episode and you and yourself are just such a powerhouse. And I'm Thank you. so excited. Right back for what's at you with. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I'm just so excited for what's to come. So, you know, as we're kind of wrapping this, can you can you share with everyone where they can find you and how they can, you know, learn more about Crow? Yeah. Well, obviously our website, Crow PR, um, that's C-R-O-W-E-P-R.com. And same thing for all of our LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Meta, whatever, Instagram channels at Crow PR. And then for me personally, it's Anna Crow on LinkedIn. Um, I think I'm Anna Crow one, maybe something like that. I'm not sure, <laughs> but you'll see my face. You know well, who I am. We'll link it all in the show notes, <laughs> yeah. everybody. And then also the name of your book. Oh, well, my original book is Get Real. And yeah. um, it's about the power of authenticity. And my second book is named Pending, but it's um, something something with that play on those words, I think. You love it. We love it. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys, if you have any questions for Anna, please let us know. We will link everything in the show notes. And Anna, thank you for going under the influence with us. Thank you so much, Whitney. Really appreciate it. 